This episode of Own the Gray is brought to you by I Am. Discover your unique talents, realize your potential, and align to your path. Take the first step to uncover your life purpose by visiting deborahjones.ca slash courses. It's never too late to follow your dreams. Jill Phillips spent most of her life worrying about how others might judge her and making choices that pleased everyone but herself. She went from fearful to fierce after 50. Here's her story. Prepare to be inspired. Welcome to On the Gray, a podcast to dispel the notion that aging is undesirable and setting new positive attitudes. I'm Deborah Jones, and I believe you can be vibrant and healthy throughout the best years of your life. So Jill, I recently had you on the podcast talking about your book, Lamlash Street. And I realized when I was listening to your story that there are a lot of similarities in our lives. We both grew up in England. We both came to live in Canada. Uh, we both wrote a book. And now you're back in England, living in the same place that my mother grew up in. And I thought, you know, it's really interesting listening to your story. There was so much more that I know you have as far as your wisdom is concerned. So I invited you back to talk about what life was like for you and how it changed for you um, once you reached 50 and beyond. So yeah, what was it like? Um, well, when I was 50, I was already living in Canada, as you you'd mentioned. I had moved there when I was in my early 30s, married a Canadian. And then things were not going well in the relationship and hadn't been for a while. Um, and I think as well, when you get to be 50 and menopause kicks in and the kids are growing up and that sort of thing happens, that you begin to wonder, you begin to become aware that life is not going to go on forever. And also you begin to wonder where your life can go because you spent so much of your life either in school, getting your education, and then you're working, then you have family. And then you begin to see that eventually I may retire. And I thought, you know, what am I going to do? And the other thing that was happening for me at the same time is I, as I said, it wasn't a happy family relationship. So I was really having a lot of questions about that as well. And so what I decided to do when I was 52 was to um, go back to school, go back to university. And I wrote my Master's of Science. Um, I had my graduate degree uh, my undergraduate degree in occupational therapy from quite a few years earlier, had not done a thing. I had not studied anything more than maybe the odd um, in-service education session at work. That was the only thing that I had done. Um, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. I just had this need to, to find out more about myself. I wasn't fulfilled in my life and I had to find out where I really belonged. And so what I did was I was an occupational therapist at the time, and I thought it makes perfect sense for me to do my master's in occupational therapy. And the way they had set up the program was you could do a single, but just a single course. There was no other commitment beyond that. So I did one. And uh, I can remember the very first assignment I had, I could barely understand the question and understand the course that went with it. <laughs> but 
I stuck with it every night, two hours every night, Monday to Thursday, I was, was working online and doing the readings when I could in the daytime. And uh, at the end of that course, which was like three months, I got an A grade. And I thought, wow, really? And he said, oh, yes, you've qualified for a, um, a grant. And so I, I think I got like $50. It wasn't massive. <laughs> but, it, but it was the first of my whole life that I'd actually been given something for my academic work. Wow. And I was working full time, um, you know, tried to do all the family things as well. So then I thought, wow, this is really good. So then I thought, you know what, I'm going to do another one. So the next year I did another one. And again, I got A grades. I thought, well, I only need to do two and then I can apply for the, the Master's of Science degree. I never in my dreams ever thought I'd even be applying. So I, I went through what I needed to do and I got my references and I spoke to people and I was accepted. And I thought, wow, really? So by this time I was like 54. And uh, then I told my husband at the time, I said, um, oh, I'm, I'm going off to Halifax, Nova Scotia for two weeks as part of the graduate course. So you have to be there two weeks, living there day and night with all the other students, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't impressed. I thought, well, you know, you should be better impressed than that. So it was another confirmation <laughs> in my mind that, you know, probably things weren't working very well at all. Uh-huh. But I had the confidence. And that was the difference. I think if I hadn't gone this route, for me, it was really important because it gave me the confidence to realize that I actually have more to me than I realized um, that I could just, for example, academically. I've always been fairly good academically. But like I said, I've done absolutely nothing for years. Um, I'd always been quite good that way. And I went there for the two weeks. And I can still remember eight of us, graduate students. Obviously, I was the oldest one there. I think the youngest was like 10 years younger than me. But we were wined and dined by all the professors and all and the other students were really helpful. And on the days when we didn't have anything arranged socially in the evening, we would go down to one of the waterfront pubs in, in Halifax and we'd sit there as a bunch of students having a beer. And I thought, wow, I've never done this before in my whole life. And that, for me, was a really important um, development in, in my future, really. It, it helped me realise that I was there for two weeks by myself. I didn't have anybody else to look after. Um, and I was just having a nice time. And that really confirmed to me that maybe, maybe I can do something with this. And maybe there's another life waiting for me. Wow. That's a really... Uh courageous thing to have done especially as you said you it was sort of the last thing on your mind and you had that spark to kind of push yourself I guess did you have to push yourself much and I I don't think I had to push myself I think I was so unhappy and so much aware that time was moving on and I wasn't happy in, in many many areas of my life that I had to do something as soon as I did the first course, the first assignment, I realized that I, it was good for me and there was no looking back. Um, it, it wasn't a chore. It was a lot of work. Um, I did the thesis option for my grad degree. I could have done the coursework option, which is a little more structured. But no, I thought I've never done a thesis before. I've never written one. So I'll do this. It took masses of time. I was up like six o'clock in the morning sometimes and whole weekends went by. People said, oh, did you want to come and do science? Like, no, no. Got to do my thesis. Papers everywhere on the bed. I used to lie in bed with all the stuff around me. Had two cats at the time. The cats loved all the papers. Used to roll in the papers. <laughs> um, but no, it wasn't something that I had to be pushed to do. Um, I think I saw it as a way of, out of my situation. It was like a sense of freedom. It was the door was opening to my future, and there was no question in my mind. This is what I needed to do. 
Yeah. I, I've just had a memory actually of myself when going through school, uh, it, it just felt like a chore to get to actually get through school. And when I came to Canada, I came to Canada as a nanny, actually. So while the baby slept, mm. I took a course and I was studying and I got A's as well, which blew me away because that wasn't really my path in, in the school system. But I found it's because I had a passion or I had chosen the subject. Do you think that's what made the difference for you? I think so. Yes, I had chosen it. And um, as I said, the, the relationship I was in at the time, he really had given me no support whatsoever. So I think there was a sense of, I'm going to do this just to prove my point. <laughs> so um, you know, it's a bit like after you get divorced, you go on the um, the revenge diet, so you look really hot, you know, <laughs> really fit. Well, this was this in my sense. Before I even got that far, it was more along the lines of, I'm going to show you that I can do this, and I'm going to do so well with it. Um, so I think it was an element of that as well. I was so focused on it. There was no question of me being pushed by anybody at all. And in fact, I had to say to people, it was quite funny, I was expecting my family and friends to say, oh, that's fantastic. You know, you're doing your graduate degree. No, it was actually probably more the opposite of, what are you doing that for at your time of life? It is going to be a waste of your money. You're never going to do anything with this. And I thought, I'm going to show you as well. So I was, <laughs> I was up for it. <laughs> wow, that's perfect. That's perfect. So then what happened? So um, when I was 58, I graduated and I was determined I was going to walk across the stage for graduation. There was no way that I was going to just have this diploma sent to me in the mail. No, I thought I've worked hard for this. So I paid for my daughter to come with me and had a friend with me. And we spent the whole weekend in Halifax at the, um, at the hotel down by the waterfront, the really nice one at the five-star hotel. I was going the whole hog ride. <laughs> uh, so we went there. I sat there in the auditorium waiting to be called to walk across the stage. And Yeah, I mean, I did the whole thing. I, and I had the cap and gown. I have the photographs. And people say to me, oh, you've got your graduate degree. Oh, yes, I have. So yeah, I, I decided that I'd held back too much. Um, the first part of my life, I'd downplayed my achievements I didn't want to offend people didn't want to make people feel too uncomfortable because I'd done this this and this and now I'm to the point of well you know what I I have done these things I'm not going to tell you about them all the time but I do deserve the recognition I think that for me was different as well this is another form of recognition and as a result of getting the graduate degree I actually got a, a position in change management so I became the organizational change manager for Eastern Health in Newfoundland so um, I did get a great job out of it, which wasn't why I did it. I did it because I wanted to, really. Yeah. So then now that you're in a life that you created, so you've got a new job, you've started to come out of your own shell, it sounds like, and things have shifted. So between then and now, what has your life been like as far as the, what has been the difference and what have you experienced well, the difference is chalk and cheese I think if you know that phrase yeah <laughs> um so if you go back when I'm in my early 50s my hair was brown and then it started going gray and hadn't really taken care of it uh so now I've turned it it's blonde it's been blonde for a while now so I'm working through that <laughs> that's not a novelty anymore um but I took better started to take better care of myself so Going through the divorce was tough, but I did learn something from the divorce as well. And I just wanted to, to mention that right now is that 
if you're in a, a situation where you have a lot of negative people around you, it eats at your soul. Um, you don't realize how those tiny little negative comments all through those years really damage you to quite an extent that you don't feel you have anything to offer to anybody. What you have to understand is that this happens without you really recognizing it. It becomes your new normal. And that's the best way I can explain it. That these negative comments like, oh, I'm no good at this, I'm no good at that. But once I went through the divorce process and I struggled, I mean, I didn't go through it overnight. It wasn't, oh, yes, I'm definitely doing this. It was a real struggle because you have no self-esteem. But once I'd been through that and then that negative influence wasn't there, then I really took off in terms of what I did. Um, now, the other challenge I had at the same time I was going through divorce was I actually uh, was diagnosed with cancer of the cervix. So I sat there and the doctor says, oh, yes, you have cancer. So, oh, grief, so I've only just split up from him and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, I was determined to, to, I had great friends that stepped up from nowhere, really helped me through the whole thing. And obviously I'm, I'm fine now. So that, that was all in the past. Um, and the other thing I did, because that was a, obviously a health issue, I started to take better care of myself. I ate better. I went to the gym. I lost 40 pounds, which... Um, then in turn meant I could start doing things like wearing skinny jeans when skinny jeans were in, right? <laughs> so um, I started to go to Old Navy to buy my clothes, uh, which, you know, is like a younger looking clothes. I started to take more care of how my clothes fit, how I looked in silhouette, all these sorts of things. I started going to dances. So I did a lot of stuff I literally hadn't done maybe at all or even in you know, my, my 20s or the last time I, I had done that. So um, it changed my whole how I looked how I felt and what I expected to get from people um, I don't expect everyone to say you're wonderful all the time but if I say look I've done this and I feel it's something of notes then I expect a few positive comments about oh really well that, that's good or tell me more or something like that whereas in the past it would have been okay if I'd heard the words of um, oh, well, oh, really? You sure you can do that? I think that's way too much you're doing sort of thing. So moving away from that negative influence has been one of the best things I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And that must feel uh, that you've almost, almost like you've been reborn. I, I, I kind of pictured sort of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. And now you're saying, look at my beautiful wings and your wings are beautiful. So it, it's almost like, what I'm hearing, it sounds like you kind of stepped into yourself. You stepped into your life. That's right. Although when you're doing it, you don't really know who you are and what your life is like. It's not as if you can say, oh, that's going to be me over there and I'll move towards that. You don't have a sweet clue, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I didn't. Um, I had so many doubts and so many worries I'm so worried about trying to please people, making sure they were okay. I forget about myself. So, and I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to people to be um, to be right. I mean, if somebody's saying to you you're going to fail and you do fail, then it makes it a hundred times worse that you've actually failed because oh well, I told you you weren't going to do this very well. Mm. I told you you were going to be terrible at this. So it is a struggle knowing where you're going to end up. And I think all I can say is this that. Having been through this process myself, the best thing you can do is just keep going in a direction that you find appealing, attractive, or feels good for you. Because I think what I found is I didn't think I was this person. I'm here doing podcasts, as you know, I've written the book. I've been through a lot of things I never ever thought in my whole life I would ever get to do or, or even survive based in terms of challenges. 
but I'm still here. I mean, for example, my my daughter was born, my son. So partway through this whole 10-year period, um, my son told me that he was identifying as a woman. I found that incredibly hard to come to terms with. I wasn't one of these mothers, you know, if I'd been perfect, I would have said, oh, that's fine. As long as, you know, you're you, that's the main thing. Um, I, I wasn't negative towards towards her, but um, in private with my friends, I don't know what to do. I mean, how do I cope with this? What do I tell the family? And all, all these things that go through your mind when it's a massive change. But what I've learned is, and what I learned through that process was that you love somebody whoever they are, um, as long as they're not doing anything illegal or immoral. And I've always said that to my daughter. I don't care what you do in life, as long as you're happy doing it. And if it's illegal or immoral, I draw the line there. But if it's neither of those two, then you do what makes you happy. And uh, I didn't exactly foresee this happening. <laughs> but um, but here we are. Now we have a good relationship. Um, we, we chat quite a bit. The relationship's slightly different now because she's identifying as a woman. But nonetheless, you, you, you realise how strong your love is for your children. So something good really came out of that very strongly. And, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're closer now than we've ever been. But, you know, it's, it's amazing what life throws at you, but you do get through it and you do survive. And I, I, there's a phrase, I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's along these lines that, that you're like a, a diamond, if you like. So a diamond is a piece of coal under pressure and it becomes this beautiful, sparkly diamond. And I think that's what happens to us as individuals. We won't change who we are very easily because we're sort of comfortable where we are. It's only when we're forced to do these sorts of things, to, to face things we never, ever thought we would face. And we get through them and we come out the other side and we're different. And somehow life is easier in the sense that you've realized like, if I can get through this, I don't care what life's going to throw at me. I can deal with that as well. Your confidence in life and dealing with these challenges improves and also things like well I'm going to start wearing skinny jeans is so far down on the list of things to worry about you don't care about it you know <laughs> whereas before I would have thought oh what will people think no it's it's so far down the list do what you want to you know? yeah I think that's a British thing because I I certainly grew up with that of worrying about what people thought and you know am I am I doing it right uh, am I accepted and I think you know, after 50, there was a shift in me too. And I think 50 is that magic number. I think we get to look at life a little bit from a different perspective. And that idea of, okay, so the rest of my life, do I want to live it like this? I think there's a decision to be made when you reach that 50 mark. I call it that the halfway mark. And then you decide, okay, so if I don't want to live the life that I have been living and I need to change, I need to change. I need to do something different. And it sounds like that I hear that pattern again and giving yourself permission to be you rather than the you that you think everybody is expecting you to be or needs you to be. What do you think? Oh, I agree. Yeah, actually, it was interesting when I, I think I mentioned uh, last time my mother passed away in January 2020. So I actually lived with my mother for six months, helped because she was 90, she was a bit frail and so on. And so I was here, like I said, with, you know, my, my new look, as it were, and uh, she would never accept that. It's like, well, you know, I prefer it when you wear this or I, I, I like your hair when it's shorter. Um, so it was really interesting for me to, because I'd been sort of living my own life for a while, then I came here for six months and then my mum's 
treating me as if I'm like 10 years old again, <laughs> uh, which, you know, you sort of can understand. You have to go roll with it for a, to a certain extent. Yeah. But you're right. The expectations for my mum were that, oh, at your time of life, you shouldn't be doing this. And, and then when I said to my mum, well, I'm actually going to start dating. Um, so I might be out the weekend sort of thing. It was like, <laughs> No, so how long are you going to do this for your time of life? I mean, it's about time you gave that up, isn't it? It's like good grief, woman. <laughs> but, um, but that's what happens. The expectations of other people are very fixed and very strong. But the bottom line is you have to be yourself. You have to be authentic to yourself first. And there's another phrase that goes through my head quite a bit is that you, the only person you can change in life is yourself. You can't change other people. You can encourage and you can talk to them endlessly and endlessly but the bottom line is they're really not going to change unless you change first and you say to them well this is the new me you just have to adjust to it Uh, so really focus on yourself and your own needs and your own changes far more than focusing on other people you can still be nice to other people you can still be understanding to them but the bottom line is you have to put yourself first that's what you have to do and it's a hard lesson to learn I can tell you that it really is it is, but it's possible. You're, you're proof of that. We teach people how to treat us. And if you don't like the way you're being treated or it doesn't feel right to you, you can teach them at any time of life too. It doesn't matter how long you've been a certain way with somebody. If it has to change, you just need to decide and make the difference. Yes, and the other thing you need is persistence as well because <laughs> they will try and change you back again. So you'll get comments like, and what's wrong with you? You never used to be like this. I don't know what's wrong with her, do you? And the family will talk about it as if you don't exist. <laughs> it's like, but what's wrong with her? I don't know, you know. So, but then you just have to be yourself, be very tolerant and just ignore what's going on. But yeah, it, it is very difficult, um, especially when you get older. Somehow people think you should not change as you get older. They think it's okay to change when you're 10, 20, even 30-ish, because you're still so young. But once you got to this grand old age, there's no way you should change. And there's no way you should try new things. Oh, good grief. No, no, that's that's completely out of the question. People don't like you to change when they get, when you get, well, I'm in late 60s. People certainly don't like you to change. However, having said that, the one person who's been so supportive to me has been Clara, my daughter. She was the one who said, Mum, write that book. And when I can remember that another thing was I'd been going to the gym, been working out, and my body shape was changing in a, a nice way. And so I was going out to this dance and I'd been out and I bought this fairly close-fitting little outfit. And uh, I thought, oh, this might be a bit much, you know, I'm not sure about this. So I trot downstairs to Claire. I say, look, what do you think? Now, be honest with me, is this too much? And then she took one look at me and said, Mum, you've been going to the gym for three years. It's about time you wore something like that. I thought, all right then. <laughs> And off I went. But uh, so, so it's been, that's why I think our relationship is so strong because it's been um, evolving as well, along with everything else. Beautiful. What's the best thing about your life right now? The best thing about my life right now is um, I recognize I haven't finished changing as a person. Uh, I realize I've got so far and I'm very happy with the things I've done. Um, very happy with the book, very happy with the book. Um, my electric car is now here. So my electric car has been delivered and I'm driving on the other side of the road and an automatic, <laughs> not a standard shift. And uh, it's electric and I'm learning all sorts of things about that. So I haven't stopped learning. And in my head, I know I'm like three quarters of the way to where I need to be before I reach where I'm really, really happy with myself. 
but I've still got another 25% to go and I can't wait to see where I'm going with it because I don't think you can see from this, from the viewpoint I have, exactly where I'm going to end up. So um, I think that's the best thing that I've learned that I can change and the changing hasn't stopped. I haven't finished changing. Go to ownthegray.ca to follow us and listen to more great episodes. Or you can listen on Apple, Spotify, Google, iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and more. This episode brought to you by Lunch with a Healer podcast. The best conversations happen when you're having lunch with a friend, especially when one is a healer. Pull up a chair at lunchwithahealer.com.